Welcome in everyone to 32 Beat Beyond the Tweets. My name is Zach Hajduk, and today I'm very excited to bring you a great conversation with Cowboys beat writer Kyle Yeomans. Now, make sure to stick around after the conversation where I will very quickly break down some of the fantasy fallout from our conversation with Kyle. Training camp is going to be coming your way soon, so make sure to follow us on Twitter at 32BeatWriters so that you can be up to date on every single detail of the offseason and be more informed than your friends and fantasy league mates. Also, be sure to check out our website, 32BeatWriters.com, for weekly news summaries as well as some other great resources that we're looking to bring you. You can also support us on Patreon and find the link to do that on the website. Now let's get on to the conversation. Hey everyone, today I have with me Kyle Yeomans of Cowboys.com. Kyle's an on-air host and writer for the Cowboys.com website. He deals with the draft coverage, pre- and post-game analysis, and all the regular beat stuff as well. You can listen to him also on the Talking Cowboys podcast, and you can follow him on Twitter at Kyle underscore Yeomans. That's Y-O-U-M-A-N-S. And he will also be doing the first two preseason games on NFL Network for the Cowboys this year, which is pretty awesome. So welcome to the show, Kyle. Yeah, I appreciate you having me. Excited to, to join in and, and get to talk a little bit of Cowboys and first time on the show. So uh, excited to see how this goes. Yeah, yeah. And you're our second guest, so I'm also excited to see how this goes. But um, I'm also hoping, yeah, maybe we'll cycle back around uh, at some point and be able to talk to you again. So um, just jumping right into it, obviously, one of the biggest stories of the offseason is Zeke Elliott. I've heard some rumblings recently that he may be coming back. I don't know how real that is. So I was curious because obviously if he's not there, Tony Pollard is pretty relevant uh, to the team and, and to people interested in fantasy and things like that. What uh, do you see Zeke possibly coming back? And if not, how is the backfield going to play out? Yeah, I, I think it's it's far-fetched to see Zeke return uh, just because of really the way that things kind of went down. I mean, he was the number one back in Dallas for quite some time, and then all of a sudden the emergence of Tony Pollard threw a wrench into that and, and mm-hmm. added the, the health of Ezekiel Elliott. I mean, Zeke wasn't necessarily healthy these last two years, and his production suffered because of it. So I'm I'm interested just as much as you guys are to see – uh, what is his mindset behind it? Because he he took uh, a chance on the open market, and ultimately, what what happened between Dallas and Zeke is Dallas didn't want to offend Zeke with their offer mm. initially, and and the pay cut initially. So they said, you know what, Zeke, go out and test the market, see what you can do, uh, and and good luck to you. But if you want to have a conversation, it's going to be a much lower number. Uh, because of that, it, I think it would be a pride thing uh, that sure. Zeke would have to Zeke's party would have to get over in order to to get back to Dallas. And whether or not that's possible is is I think in the future. I don't think it's very likely. I think Zeke is a a, a capable back that that would come back and uh, or that would be back into the fray of any NFL team. But with Dallas, he would be the number two. He would be behind Tony Pollard, who will be the featured back this year. He's on the franchise tag for a reason. Um, so basically, you're taking a demotion, you're taking a pay cut, and you're coming right, right back to where you started. So I don't think anybody really loves the idea of that, no matter if it's a day job or whether you're in the NFL. So I don't I don't necessarily see it happening a whole lot. And I think Pollard's the, the featured back in Dallas going into the season, dis, uh, despite even coming off of the injury that he is. 
Okay. And so if that's going to be the case, then who is it behind him? I mean, you've got a couple of, you got what one, two rookies from last year on the team. And then, uh, then the rookie from this year, he's only like 150 pounds though, right? 160, somewhere around there. Yeah. You've got Deuce Vaughn, who was a six round pick this year, five foot five, and Mm. that's not a typo. And he's 150 pounds and he's, I mean, he's electric to watch. I mean, he is a bolt of a of a runner and, and he has some change of direction he has the agility as you would expect but uh, it's yet to be seen if he can make an impact at the nfl level just because of the size and just because he's a rookie too i, I think sure. putting unfair expectations on a sixth round pick is uh something that fans across the nfl do quite often mm-hmm. but uh, i think he actually does have uh, an opportunity at least for snaps mostly because like what you said earlier Nothing's really settled behind Tony Pollard. I mean, you brought in Ronald Jones this offseason to compete with Malik Davis, who was an undrafted free agent last year, Rico Dowdle, who was an undrafted free agent a year before that, uh, and Dowdle's in, uh, had some injury issues. Malik Davis has flashed at times, but ultimately been unproductive in, in the regular season. And then Ronald Jones looks like he's at the end of his, his uh, career, at least on a downturn of his career. So there are four guys fighting for pretty much one spot going into mm-hmm. preseason play. And uh, you know how, how it goes in training camp. I mean, you don't really get a great look at the the running backs. You, of course, be in the right place at the right time. Know your blocking assignments and pick those up in training camp. But in terms of hitting a hole and, and being explosive and breaking tackles, that's not something that's seen in practice. That's something that you have to see in the preseason. So those three preseason games – are going to be crucial for these running backs to kind of mm. sort that order out. Malik Davis has shined in the preseason in the past. Uh, Ronald Jones certainly has the most experience out of the bunch. And then Deuce Vaughn might have the most upside. So it's very interesting to see how the Cowboys will handle this going into to training camp and into the preseason because it's going to be one of the most heavily watched battles, especially if Pollard's not going to be ready for week one and two. You're going to need a couple of those guys to step up. Yeah, I mean, you just mentioned it. Yeah, we, he had an injury last year. Uh, what was it, a broken uh, part of his a leg, right? Tibia or something yeah, like that. Yeah, uh, for Pollard. Yeah. Pollard tore his ACL. Tore his ACL, sorry. A, a divisional round, yeah. Yeah, so many things going on, sorry. Um, and honestly, <laughs> I almost forgot that Ronald Jones was part of that backfield as well. So, <laughs> yeah, it tells you what's going on there. Um, it's interesting, though, because last year, uh, the Cowboys ranked six in rush attempts um, and then ninth in overall rush percentage per game and some of the stuff coming out uh you obviously have uh schottenheimer now uh on the uh offensive side of the ball at at coordinator and um then mccarthy is supposed to be calling plays now instead of kellen moore who's who's with the chargers and i believe mccarthy said that they wanted to get back to like running the ball more it almost feels like that's impossible to do but uh with what he's saying there how do you anticipate them playing ball this year versus last year and the couple years previous with kellen moore yeah you know it's it is it's funny and and we were talking about this in a in a staff meeting this past week is in this is what our staff meetings look like we just end up talking ball but uh (laughs) but mike mccarthy yeah his whole message this offseason is we're gonna run the ball we're gonna run it we're gonna Mm -hmm. we're gonna continue to to establish the ground game well um, Mike, uh, your your lead running back is is banged up. Uh, you have an offensive line that right now has a couple p- pieces missing, like Terrence Steele at right tackle. He's still coming off of an injury as well. Uh, 
And, and you just added Brandon Cooks. So it's not like the offense will struggle by any stretch of the imagination, but the identity just might be different to start the season than it it sounds like what Mike McCarthy's aiming for. So it, it might take some time is kind of the thought process there. I think they will try and establish the run. They, there mm-hmm. will be a conservative effort to continue to run the football and run it effectively. Uh, that was something they didn't do well last year outside of Tony Pollard, really. Pollard was the one effective runner for the Cowboys, and he did so with the home run threat and just the big plays that he brought to the to the game. So if you're able to get back to that, then great. I think that's what Mike McCarthy wants. But this is an offense that right now is built to throw. It's got mm-hmm. Dak Prescott. It has CeeDee Lamb taking another step. It has Brandon Cooks now in the fold. Michael Gallup doesn't have to be a number two receiver and you've got a, a stable of tight ends that you feel pretty comfortable with. So for the most part, this is an offense that right now looks like it's built to throw at least in weeks one through four of the regular season, but they're going to have to find a way to establish the run. And I think it starts up front. You got to get that offensive line healthy. You got to get them settled into where their, their roles and their positions will be. And then I think after that, Tony Pollard coming back healthy is a huge key of that, of course. But I think if you're up front stout, you're going to have more success with some of those guys back behind. Yeah, that makes sense. And hey, you mentioned the tight ends, right? Uh, We have uh, Dalton Schultz gone now, Mm -hmm. uh, but you mentioned the ones that are on the roster. It sounds like they're comfortable with that would be Jake Ferguson, Peyton Hendershot. And then is it Luke Schoonmaker? Is that how they say it? Yeah, Schoonmaker, like school. Okay, all right. I'll get that right eventually here. Um, Now he's uh, what the second round pick. So What do you see there? Do you see any three of them becoming uh, any of the three of them uh, becoming the guy or are they going to use a committee approach? One more as like a slot guy, one more as a block. You know, it seems like roles in tight end uh, in the NFL have kind of shifted over the past couple of years. Yeah, especially it's shifted even in this offense over the last five years or so. And, and, And I give credit to Linda Wells, who's the tight end coach. He does a great job there. But they, they needed a tight end. I mean, without Dalton in the fold, they, they want to replace his production. And I think the the fact that they took a, a, a chance on a second-round tight end like Luke Schoonmaker says a lot. They, they really do like him as a possibility in this offense. Now, I think right now, as of this moment, I think Jake Ferguson is your starter. I think he's the guy who's going to get the most reps. Uh, he's going to probably get the most targets to start the year. Okay. But by the end of the year, I wouldn't be surprised if Schoonmaker is the the, mo- the more reliable target for, for Dak to throw to. Peyton Hendershot brings a skill set that's different than both of those guys. He's not a big blocker. He's more of a receiver. He's a downfield threat. But just like Ferguson, both of those guys showed promise early in their rookie seasons. But in the last 11 games, 10 games or so, uh, they kind of disappeared. And, and it was a bit of a drop-off. So I'm with – I'm hesitant to really put all those expectations on those two guys with Ferguson and Hendershot, but some of those ex- expectations are going to be tethered to Schoonmaker just for the fact of being a second round pick. I think if he's going to be in the fold, they're going to make an effort to get him the football. And just based off of his skill set, I think he's more of a balanced player blocking wise than Jake Ferguson, but I, I don't know how much he st- stacks up or it's, it's pretty close how much they stack up as receivers. So at some point, Schoonmaker might overtake them in both categories. Okay, yeah, that'll be interesting to watch. We know tight end takes a little bit of adjustment from college to the NFL, but a second round pick is definitely not a low amount of draft capital to spend on a tight end. 
Um, for the other pass catchers last year, we saw CeeDee Lamb just hyper-targeted by Dak when he was playing and healthy. Uh, in fact, CeeDee Lamb had almost 27% of the targets uh, that Dak played in and had 156 targets in total. Uh, the highest targeted receiver prior to that with Dak was Des Bryant in 2017 at 23%. Um, it just feels like that may not happen again, but maybe it will. Do you, you mentioned the other additions, and we can certainly talk about them too. Uh, are, are we going to see that level of, of target share to CD again? No, I don't think so. I think Brandon Cooks changes that that whole thing because you look at it, from a receiving standpoint, it's been 20 games, including the playoffs, 20 games hmm. since a receiver not named CeeDee Lamb has had a 100-yard game. So Wow. I it, did not it, know that. That That's the thing. CeeDee Lamb has been that offense. He's been that passing game it, to, to give Dak Prescott at least a consistent and possibly over-the-top target to throw to. So Michael Gallup hasn't done that. CeeDee hmm. Lamb has certainly done that. The last guys to do it, are Cedric Wilson and Amari Cooper, and both of them right. are not on the roster anymore. So Brandon Cooks brings an element that the Cowboys haven't had in the last couple of seasons. So I, I think the target share does differ. I think Brandon Cooks will take some of those targets away. But if, you, if you're asking me how that will affect CD's numbers, I don't think it will. I think CD will have a more effective year. Less targets, mm. similar production is where I think it's going to turn out because he struggled to find separation. He struggled to really get away from the double teams and from shading his direction and, and multiple defensive looks that were aimed at slowing down CD Lamb because he was the one guy you needed to slow down. He's going to get more single coverage. He's going to get more easy looks. He's going to get zone coverage that he can run to space catch a football and then get out of the get out of the shoot. So I think Brandon Cooks is the biggest CD Lamb contributor this year. CD Lamb is a great player. He's sure. going to be really, really uh, high up there. I even made a bold prediction and on one of our TV shows this year that he would be the league leader in 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 receiving yards. And wow. I think that's a, a huge part to to Brandon Cooks. Now, that's a bold prediction. That's out of the sure. – jumping out of the cake. Of course, that's that's something there that it, it's not supposed to happen, but I think it could happen because of the addition of Cooks in this passing game. It really does benefit C.D. Lamb. Yeah, I mean, if we look at the uh, Eagles or the Bengals, the, you know, they have two wide receivers and they certainly seem to help each other out. So that yeah. would make sense to me if that's what you see in this offense going forward. And then Cooks, I guess – are you seeing him maybe getting around if he's taking some targets away, but they're both still efficient? Maybe they're both floating around 100 targets or, or, or and CD probably assumedly more. Yeah, I think CD would definitely get more. Uh, probably, yeah, 100 targets for Cooks sounds about right. I think in every year that that Cooks has been a new team outside of his rookie season, he's had a thousand yards uh, receiving. And he, mm -hmm. I think the, the, the smallest touchdown amount he's had was six. I'd, I'd have to go back and look. So he's had at least a thousand yards and six touchdowns in each of his first years with a new okay. franchise. He's of course been with now six teams. So it, it happens quite often. So I think there are, there's potential there for, for Brandon cooks to, to see a hundred targets, which is something that I think if in the past you were saying, Oh, we're going to take 50 of those targets away from CD lamb. That's a bad idea. I think in this point, it's actually a great idea. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Cooks last year, I think had around 92 on that poor Texans team. So 
Yeah. Uh, it doesn't sound like a stretch what you're saying here at all. A- another wide receiver question here. Uh, the sophomore from last year, Jalen Tolbert. Uh, I don't know. I, I think he he profiled a little bit more as a special teams player, maybe had a couple snaps last year. Uh, any chance he gets any significant playing time or probably not with Gallup more healthy coming off the ACL? And then, of course, we mentioned Cooks. Yeah, somebody asked me actually this morning on on a show. They said, uh, "Who who has turned the most heads? Who's been the most surprising during minicamp and OTAs?" And my my answer would be Jalen Tolbert. I, I think he okay. looks more comfortable in the offense. That was a big thing last year. Was that there was a there was a, a comfortability that was not there. That was uh, you could you could even see it was apparent, and he even addressed it at the Senior Bowl when he came, he went back home. He's from Mobile. He was played in South Alabama, so he went to the Senior Bowl this year just to kind of see what the the competition looked like. And he talked about it. He said, "I I wasn't comfortable with the playbook. I, I felt mm-hmm. like I took I took a step back as a player because I was so busy trying to adjust to the NFL." He doesn't look like he's taking that step back. He looks comfortable. He looks confident. And I think, again, Brandon Cooks brings a lot to that. He's Brian Schottenheimer was telling us the other day that uh, that he and Cooks have been attached at the hip for the entire offseason. So learning from a veteran like that. He's also been working closely with Dak Prescott outside of practice, which has been huge. Uh, they've been constantly in communication about the, the, the playbook and what he could do better. So I think Tolbert – has a chance to emerge. Now, is he going to be one of the top three receivers in terms of target share this year? I think it would take an injury for that to happen. But right now, I think he has a step up in the fourth wide receiver role, which, as we've seen in the past with the Cowboys, they like to carry those four receivers and rotate them in pretty significantly. I mean, Noah Brown had that role last year. Mm-hmm. Cedric Wilson had it for a couple years prior to that. And so uh, this this is a, a role that is doable for Jalen Tolbert, and as a top 100 pick, you want to see some of that production, and I think you will see a step up. He only played five games last year, and he had two receptions. He, he, sure. It's hard to get much worse than that as a rookie <laughs> debut. I think he can. I think he can take a step up. I'm excited to see him in training camp when they put the put the pads on. The big lights start to turn on in the preseason. I think he could actually take a step forward and really surprise some people. Okay, so we'll make sure to follow you uh, for uh, information on that then and how he continues to develop. Uh, and then just lastly on the wide receivers, quick Gallup, uh, presumably a little bit better off the ACL. Is he going to fit in the same role that he had? I mean, I think what three or four years ago, we had a thousand yard season, but we haven't seen that level of production from him since uh, kind of inconsistent injuries and things of that nature. Yeah, I think he he has a healthy offseason for the first time in two years, which I think is great. Um, it, it appears that he has some of that burst back now. Uh, I, I'm skeptical just as much as anybody on, on Gallup because of the the lack of production last year too. Uh, I, I do contribute a little bit of that to coming off of an ACL tear, a severe one at that that he had late in the season in 21. So he didn't have an off season at all. I mean, he got thrust into the to the mix mid season, uh, and and some would say and even argue that he was uh, thrust in there a little too early. So I think this is a year where his numbers will be better than they were last year. Uh, but I think because of that, he, he'll he fit better. The reason for that being he'll fit better in the role because sure. he doesn't have to be the number two. Last year he was expected to do that. Without Amari Cooper, 
in the right wide receiver room, he was expected to step up and be the number two receiver. Here he is now as a solid number three, where he was a below average number two. Now he's an above average, if not really good number three. So I think he does see a better role. I don't think his numbers fluctuate a ton, but I think overall his effectiveness in the offense will will help things out, especially after a healthy offseason. Yeah, it seems like slotting. I mean, you see that in uh, other teams uh, as well. We mentioned that on the the Patriots for the last show, if they were to sign uh, Hopkins, you know, it just kind of puts everybody else in that uh, that right order. So we'll see how that shakes out for the Cowboys then this year, too. Um, last year, we had Dak Prescott with, a, I think, league high interceptions at at 15. Do we see him taking care of the ball better? I mean, we've seen him play at a really, really high level. Uh, and last year, just, yeah, those 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 interceptions. Do we see if he's is he not trusting that leg still or what? Is he just a little skittish? How do we see that moving forward? No, I think it's it's a more of an aggression. It's more of just having a, a little maybe a little overconfidence in what mm-hmm. his abilities were last year, because uh, you go back and look at some of the interceptions. He's through 15, which was tied for the league league high. And he didn't play in as many games. I mean, so his turnover uh, to pass ratio was pretty high. I mean, he had a, a a tough time taking care of the ball. So this time around, I think if he's going to see more success, it, it would have to dial back on the aggressiveness. Because even with the 15 interceptions, that was a competent offense. I mean, it was an offense that was competing. It was continuing to get better. Uh, got better down the stretch, and then ultimately won you a playoff game. Dak Prescott's wild card game against Tom Brady might have been one of the best performances of his career. I mean, he was as good as advertised, uh, but it's the consistency that needs to continue to to, to get better. So maybe uh, don't throw it over the middle of the field whenever it's third and long, and you're trying to <laughs> yeah. you're trying to force it into a tight window. It's little stuff like that, and I think if he was if he made better decisions in, ter- in terms of where he threw the ball, when he threw the ball, uh, it would be, it'd be more like a nine or 10 interception number, which is doable at the NFL level. Like you can deal with nine interceptions yeah, yeah. over an en- entire season. It's when you're throwing 15 picks and you're playing in 11 games. Like that's, that's when it's a problem uh, in terms of taking care of the ball. And, the the microscope is going to be on him. Uh, he knows it too, because it's always on him as the quarterback for the Cowboys. But after a season like that, you go into the first three games of the year and you throw four interceptions, people are going to be talking. It will be a topic of conversation of, oh, is Dak just too turnover prone to get the job done? He needs to take care of the ball. He knows that is a um, a huge emphasis this season. Whether or not he takes a step back from from being aggressive and trying to to overthrow, that's where I think there's some concern for me. I think he's just a competitor. He wants to do that. He wants to 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 really make that next level play and 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 lead his team to victory. So, man, it, it's it, that's the biggest question I think this offseason, outside of maybe offensive line health, mm-hmm. can Dak limit the turnovers? That's going to be a, a big time key for whether or not this team is a legitimate contender or not. Okay. All right. Yeah. And maybe some of the uh, wide receiver health and additions there, maybe help him out a little bit to open things up. So 
just real quick, I heard you guys uh, a couple weeks ago discussing the kicker situation. Um, I don't want to spend too much time on this, but yeah. uh, who's going to be kicking for you guys? Uh, we, last year, uh, you know, we had those four missed kicks by uh, Maher in, in one mm-hmm. one game. So I'm just curious what that's looking like. Yeah, I think right now it's Tristan Viscano, and, and, and he looked good in uh, in in off-season work i mean when he was in and now it was all in controlled environments it was indoor practice facility stuff so but he looked good there and and ultimately uh he's got a he's got the leg he, he really does have a great leg i think this is going to end up being a repetition of what we saw last year uh, last year they brought in two guys they had uh liram hyralahu uh, as an undrafted free agent from a couple years prior guy that they brought in from the cfl and then they had Jonathan Garibay, who was a, an undrafted rookie out of Texas Tech, and they had them compete all training camp long. Who can who can make the most field goals, basically? And then ultimately, neither one of those guys really took the reins of that job. And so they brought in a tryout. They said, "All right, bring in on these these veterans that are on the street. Mm-hmm. Let's come. Let's figure this out." And then Brett Maher came in and actually did a great job for most of the season. Of course, the lasting image is going to be the wild card game. Mm-hmm where he missed all those extra points and uh, he, he just was, was shanking everything <laughs> like that was, that was rough. And it really was. And I, I think it sticks in, in the front office's minds that way as well. Uh, I think right now they're going to let Tristan Viscano compete with himself for, for the most part, but I bet you at some point during training camp, they have two open roster spots right now. They're sitting at 88. They can get to 90. Mm. I bet you, I bet you a couple of those calls are going to be, some kickers to, to come to Oxnard and at least give it a shot. Okay. Um, we also saw as far as additions go this year, uh, Stefan Gilmore, uh, big name, obviously there. And then uh, Mozzie Smith to the defense. Is this a Super Bowl caliber defense? Uh, and then in relation to the Indivision Eagles, who it just seems has been difficult to get off your guys' back. I mean, you split uh, the season with them uh, last or the, the two uh, regular season games. Uh, last year but uh, do you feel like those additions on offense those additions on defense with Gilmore and Smith are enough to help kick those guys out off the throne there in the NFC East oh man I I think the Eagles are still really really good I mean they they lost a couple pieces especially especially in the secondary I think they're they're a little bit more thin than they were previously and in this league you need a, a stout secondary I think Dallas now has a step up or a leg up in that regard. Yeah. I I think this defense last year showed that they were a Super Bowl caliber defense. I mean, this is the first time a team has led the NFL in takeaways back-to-back seasons since the Steel Curtain defense of the Pittsburgh Steelers in the 70s. I mean, that's okay. how long it's been since a, a singular unit has led the NFL in turnovers back-to-back years. So, mm-hmm. that I mean, in that instance, just by itself, this defense is a Super Bowl caliber defense. The one bugaboo last year was – actually, there were two. The first one was you can't stop the run. I mean, this is a team that really did struggle mm-hmm. to slow down, teams that ran the football effectively, and it hurt them in a couple of instances last year. It hurt them in the playoff game against San Francisco. You can't slow down the run. You're going to have some issues. The The addition of Mozzie Smith should help that. That's something that I think they, they went into the draft saying, we need to fix our run defense – how do we do that? Well, let's go get the best run defender in college football last year, and that's Mozzie Smith. So I think there's there's an emphasis on that. 
the defensive line is beefed up. They have a lot of depth there for the first time ever. Uh, they feel comfortable in their linebackers. They brought back Leighton Vander Esch to, to do that as well. Um, the second bugaboo for this team was down the stretch, teams found a way to, to stifle Micah Parsons. He got off to a stirring mm. spot start. He looked like he was on his way to a defensive player of the year, at least consideration. Uh, and then he kind of fizzled out toward the end. And and he made plays when he needed to. He made a couple big plays in tight games down the stretch. But uh, his consistent production took a deep dive off uh, from what he did early in the season. And because of that, uh, and I think that's a, a direct correlation with teams, just one, just trying to slow down Michael Parsons. Sure. Let any of these other guys beat us. We're going to make Parsons hit. I think they're, they need some sort of extra level of of pass rush and and something to get after these quarterbacks outside of Micah. Uh whether that's a blitz package, more blitzes than 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 they've shown in the past, which is quite a bit. Uh maybe that's that's uh, something from the outside and I I think having two guys like Stefan Gilmore and Trayvon Diggs that you trust on the outside frees things up in the box because now you feel more comfortable about having to cover those guys downfield if somebody gets open. Right. Uh, and you can kind of bring some extra pressure. So, yeah, I, I do. I think that's a Super Bowl caliber defense. I think it has been one the last couple of years, but they've they've had some holes and they're trying to try. Uh, they're doing what they can to at least uh, patch some of those holes before the season even starts. Yeah, yeah, that makes a ton of sense there, like you mentioned with Mozzie. So we'll see how they do against the run, which obviously the Eagles are are really good at. So we'll we'll be excited to watch that uh, going forward here this season. I've been trying to give everybody who comes on, uh, this is my goal, to give y'all just like a soap box to stand on for just a little bit if you want about some yeah. issue that you feel is either under-discussed on the, the team or that you think people just generally get wrong about the team. Uh, what's something that you just, you know, either grinds your gears a little bit or you just want to talk about that that you think is really interesting here? No, that that's a, that's a great question because – Everybody has their own opinions and everybody's entitled to their own opinions. So I, I do like this. I think one thing that's been uh, both under discussed and I think the majority of Cowboys fans get wrong is the impact that Mike McCarthy has had on this team. Uh, and hmm. a lot of people are skeptical of Mike McCarthy and for good reason. I mean, the way that things ended in Green Bay weren't amicable. I mean, they were not. It was not pretty the way that things ended there. And, and of course, they they made their decision and the Cowboys decided to move uh, on from Jason Garrett. But the the fact that he came in when he did, let's let's just start in 2020 when he came in his first season. They they won six games. It was not a pretty year. They had a ton of injuries, including Dak Prescott. Uh, they, they had to go through multiple backup quarterbacks and it was a train wreck. It really was. It was not a good year. And it was the covid year. But even out of that year, as horrid as it was, you had you 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 found two cornerstones of your roster, one on offense and one on defense, and that's CeeDee Lamb and Trayvon Diggs, both of them coming out mm -hmm. of that 2020 draft. And if you want to even add on from that, you found your starter at center the last four years and Tyler Biotish in the same draft. Three of three picks in the first four rounds of that draft have been cornerstone players for your franchise. So even in a year where you had six wins and you did not play well, the, you had something to be excited about. You still found something. And I don't think those picks happen with Diggs and Lamb uh, if if Mike McCarthy doesn't sign off on it. Mm. The 
the year after that, they go 12 wins. They get to the playoffs. They get to the wild card. They get bounced by San Francisco. I think that might have been their best shot because they were healthy. They had a ton of talent. They had a ton of confidence. Uh, that was their best shot under Mike McCarthy because it, that was just how things lined up. You're at home, too, not to mention in that playoff game. So the fact that you lost that was frustrating, no doubt about that. But you got there. You got to the playoffs. You had the 12-win season. Great job. You move into 2022, there were more obstacles in 2022 with injuries up front and, and different players leaving. Amari Cooper out of the out of the gate. And, and right. you, you, you lose some of these, these key members of your offense and you still find a way to win 12 games. I mean, back-to-back 12-win seasons for the first time for the Cowboys since Barry Switzer was the head coach. So you still get that done, and you bounce Tom Brady from the playoffs. You 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 single handedly outplayed. You beat down the Bucket Buccaneers, a team mm-hmm. that beat, beat you in Week One. You come back and beat them on their home turf and bounce them from the playoffs. Yeah, you ran up against the buzzsaw against San Francisco, and I think there was a lot of frustration there too. But each year, 2020, 2021, and twenty twenty two, Mike McCarthy has improved this football team. And the only way to improve it this year is to take that next step. Now, there's going to be a lot of scrutiny. There's going to be a lot of microscope on him this year because he's the play caller now. He has taken that responsibility. He has taken that role. uh, But he hasn't necessarily dropped the ball yet. He hasn't led this team into despair. I mean, there are plenty of head coaches around the league. Ask the Jets. Ask the the Dolphins previously. I mean, ask anybody, the Panthers, all these teams that are hiring these head coaches thinking that they're going to take that next step and they're going to really, they're going to build to the future. It's not easy. And you you have to find the right guy for your team. And I think right now, Mike McCarthy has been that guy. Now, things could go south very quick. This is not a very patient fan base. This is not a very patient uh, front office. I mean, they will move on if things are stagnant. And I think right now he has the best roster, the best opportunity. I would say let's just give this season a chance before you really write off Mike McCarthy because a lot of Cowboys fans out there have written them off really before he even got hired. Yeah, you know, I'm really excited to see what happens with this team this year. And maybe you're right. Maybe we just uh, – McCarthy is too easily uh, a little bit of a human punching bag <laughs> there uh, with everything. And as you mentioned, of course, being the Cowboys uh, head coach comes with a lot of eyes on you. So I'm really excited to see how the season turns out for you guys. Um, and I really appreciate you being on and giving us all that, that, the insight that you have. Uh, to our listeners, as always, make sure to check out Kyle's work over at Cowboys.com. Again, he's on the Talking Cowboys podcast. Uh, and then check him out in the preseason while he's uh, calling those games. That'll be really, really fun to see. So thank you for joining us, man. Really appreciate everything you had to say. Yeah, of course. Appreciate you having me on. And we'll talk again soon down the line, hopefully uh, after a couple Cowboys wins. All right, welcome to the Fantasy Fallout, where I'm just going to quickly try to break down a few of the things that we heard from Kyle and how that may impact what you do this year. From what I gathered here from Kyle, there's a couple of things that I have to take away from a fantasy perspective. In my opinion, obviously, Tony Pollard is the dude. Based on the injury, though, now I did look it up, he both had a broken fibula and a uh, tightrope surgery on the ankle. And the reports out of camp seemingly are that he's relatively in full form, uh, but just make sure to monitor that. And you can do that, of course, by following us on Twitter. 
Um, you can also follow Tom Christ and his work with Fantasy Injury Team. You can see his work on our website as well occasionally, but that guy really nails it. Now, uh, as far as everybody behind Pollard, definitely doesn't look like Zeke is coming back. I think you can chuck that out the window. If I'm going to be taking a shot, it's going to be on Malik Davis. He's younger. I just think there's more upside than Ronald Jones, who, in my opinion, is not really anybody that you should have to worry about. You can probably put him on uh, your best ball teams. Just grab him in the last round. He's pretty much completely out of uh, drafted uh, ADP. Now, with the tight ends, it doesn't look like you're drafting any of them at the moment. However, what I would do is I would recommend keeping a lookout for Schoonmaker for a maybe midseason waiver wire ad. None of them are really being drafted, so I wouldn't bother putting them on your roster at the moment unless you're in best ball, but even then, probably not. Just monitor that, check to see if Schoonmaker can be somebody that uh, starts to have some play midseason, and maybe you can uh, scoop him up and, and start him after he gets a hang of it there. As far as what my biggest fantasy takeaway is, that would be Brandon Cooks. Uh, this guy is going to be a great steal right now. In the current ADP, he's currently at rounds like six and seven, which I think is really great value if what Kyle is saying is what ends up happening. He should easily outperform all the rookies that he's sitting around right now if he can get um, you know, that, that hundred target, uh, volume, you should be able to definitely have an easy path to wide receiver two numbers, possibly mid to high wide receiver two numbers. So unless you think he's washed, I really think he's a great buy. Again, last year he had 92 targets with the Texans while missing four games. I would gladly be drafting him in front of all the rookie wide receivers. And frankly, I'd feel pretty good about it if I got him where he's currently going. So if you're worried about him getting snatched up by somebody, Maybe take him like around, have a round early of where he's currently uh, currently sitting. As far as any other wide receivers are concerned, I would not consider drafting Jalen Tolbert in any regard. And uh, in your dynasty leagues, if you can offload him for basically anything, I would assume he's on your roster. Perhaps he's there if you have a taxi squad. And uh, outside of that, uh, you can look Michael Gallup's way. But I'm not sure that there's a lot of room for him, so I wouldn't bother too much. In general, if they have a good defense, uh, again, and Mike McCarthy isn't looking to have as high part of an offense and, and you know put the defense on the field as often, even just by pure regression, last year they were fourth in points. So they still could be really, really good and still may not be putting up as many points as they were last season. Uh, so if you're debating at the top of your drafts between like Pollard and CD and those who are around them at that moment, I would not fault you for going with another guy. If you do draft them, you should be feeling pretty good, but just remember that and uh, we'll, we'll see how the rest of this year shakes out. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and also follow us on Twitter at 32BeatWriters to keep up with everything happening in the league this offseason. We will see you next week.